0: Welcome to Head Heart Homefront, brought to you by the Barry Robinson Center, the country's leading behavioral health residential treatment center for military kids. I'm your host, Erin Lindstrom, and I'm so glad you're here. The Barry Robinson Center created this interview series to celebrate Military Family Month. We're bringing together mental health leaders to chat about building resiliency and healthy, happy families through the ups and downs of military life. We know military life can be challenging, for our kids, and it can also present amazing opportunities. In these conversations, we talk about tips, tools, and techniques to navigate the highs and lows for both you and your children. The conversations have been incredible, and we are so excited to share this episode with you. Hey there, and welcome back to Head, Heart, Homefront. I'm your host, Erin Lindstrom, and I am so excited to share today's conversation with you. I'm here with Ginny Rodriguez, and before we hop into our conversation, I would love to tell you a little bit about her. So Ginny studied accounting at St. Francis University and passed the CPA exam in Pennsylvania upon graduation in 1979. Her professional work experience includes serving as an auditor for Pete Marwick and Mitchell, which is now KPMG, in Summit, New-, New Jersey. She also worked as a government service employee as the custodian for morale support and welfare funds in Bamberg, Germany. In addition, she taught principles of accounting for the University of Maryland, as well as small business practice courses. Other employment included working for the Army National Bank, um, as well as auditing multiple accounting records for several military organizations over the years at multiple locations. In addition, she worked for Circo in Vienna, Virginia, and served as program administer for the Army Victim Advocate Program, assisting with organizing the hiring and training of new employees as bases throughout the military in the United States and abroad. She later worked for BCPI, located in Alexandria, Virginia, where she was involved with various contracts with the government and private sector to include helping to build the Navy's family's website. Additionally, Ginny worked as a substitute teacher over many years in elementary, junior, and high school levels. Uh, Ginny has also worked in a multitude of volunteer positions over the years uh, to include in serving with the Red Cross as a chair and an advisor, as well as an advisor to AWAG, which is Americans Working Around the Globe, and the German American Women's Club for several years. Other volunteer efforts include multiple PTA treasurer positions and president, as well as spouse club treasurer and advisor. She has led and advised many family readiness groups in the capacity of company, battalion, brigade, division, forces command, and combatant command levels. Her most rewarding experience was working with the wounded soldiers and their families, as well as helping with the so much comfort, adapting clothing for recovering patients, and distributing those to the wounded on visits to Womack, Walter Reed, and Bethesda Medical Centers. Ginny presently serves on the Board of Mercy Medical Angels in the capacity of treasurer. Her and her husband moved over 28 times throughout his military career to include multiple tours to Georgia, North Carolina, Germany, as well as assignments in Kansas, Rhode Island, Texas, Korea, Kentucky, um, Fort Myer, Fort Belvoir, and more. They have four adult children now and five grandchildren. Yay, Jenny, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have this conversation. Well, it's a pleasure to join you,
1: Erin. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So before we hop in, um, everyone has heard your official bio, but if you could just tell us a little bit about you and kind of your journey to here today, um, we would love if you would share a bit more. Sure.
1: So I met my husband. Um, I'm not going to tell you the year because that'll tell you how old I am, but years ago. So he's already served 40 years in the Army and we um, started out in the late 70s that tells you something early 80s our first assignment overseas was in germany and i was um, a cpa practicing cpa working for a big brigade accounting firm i ended up going to germany and realizing there was no way for me to serve in that capacity so i started teaching the soldiers um, accounting for university of maryland and um, i also served as a gs um, employee during the day. So right out the gate, my life was busy. And I remember meeting a lot of the military spouses and thinking, I'm never going to be like them. Mm. They just talk about their kids. And I'm not really planning to have kids. So I'm just a professional. But um, anyway, I just remember feeling like I didn't fit in. But I think they so bring you in and embrace you that you just realize that you're in awe of them. And I think they were, they shaped me early on. I remember one wife picking me up to take me to the battalion commander's house and saying, I brought flowers for you to bring to her. And I was like, wow, I could have gotten them. I wouldn't have thought of it. Thank you for covering for me. And so I think it's those little things where people just take you by the hand and guide you along. And I was really lucky in my early days to have people that served in that role Mm -hmm. and really guided me because I really knew nothing. I came from a big family, ten, 10 children in our family, but my father was a Marine in the early days, but that was the draft and he didn't serve career. So we really grew up in a civilian community. So mm-hmm. the military was very foreign to me. So <laughs> I was Very shy. That's you funny. <laughs> I was very shy because I was very comfortable in my own family and we went to a very small school where we practically knew everyone so coming out into this world was sort of like coming out of my own comfort zone.
0: So I think that's so funny that you were the person who was like I'm not having kids I'm not one of them and then you like surprise you actually do have children right? So I do
1: have four adult children now and we're about to have eight grandchildren all under the age of six so when they come It comes, you know, when it happens, it happens, it's quick. So, but that's the blessing that now my husband is retired and we're able to really enjoy not only our kids. We don't even we we just focus on our grandchildren now. We're kind of our kids. Like that shit smells. So we're just we're just enjoying the kids. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit what it was like, like as far as um, opportunities or challenges that kind of presented themselves as being a military family and how maybe you like overcame them?
1: Oh my gosh, there were so many, but I think you (laughs) you have to be resourceful and truly you have to be resilient. Like I can tell you that I remember as a teenager, I would have been afraid to stay home alone at night because of the fact that I was one of 10 children and I was one of the older ones. So someone was always home in our house. And then after I was married with my children, my husband was gone all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is hard to get used to. Like, I'm the only adult in the house here, yikes. Yeah. But you overcome. And I think the other thing I learned is that the more you reach out to other people and say, you know, if, if it takes a friend to be a friend. So I think that's the important thing I learned that if, you know, in the military, you you have to be a friend if you want to expect a friend to help you. So I relied a lot on my friends for helping with, you know, the children when my husband was deployed, <clears throat> at, when the kids were very young. And mm-hmm. um, I think that started where I really developed a lot of my friendships that I still have today.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important, just the kind of giving yourself permission almost to be yourself and show up and to actually make those connections. Because so many times, a lot of the isolation we feel is because we're self-isolating. True. And so it's kind of fascinating when you show up with the heart of like, okay, I'm going to be a friend, like what friends can actually show up for you as well.
1: So when I think when you look in the people in your unit, when you first get to know them, some of them are like, well, I'm not going to do that, you know, and it's like okay, well, that's your choice, but you should give it a try because you don't even know if you would like it or not. And right. some people are just very dismissive right out the gate. And I think other people that give it a try, you're like, okay, they get it. Mm-hmm. They understand that this is a team effort, mm-hmm. and we're all pulling different, you know, jobs within this team. So it was easy over the years to um, form good relationships with people because I think I was always a willing participant to join in. Um, More so as the time went on when I realized that it was important to do that.
0: Mm, That makes sense. Was it, so you mentioned to me before that you moved 29 times. Is that correct? Yes. So that's pretty incredible. And doing that with four kids, I'm wondering like, are there any, for parents who may be listening and are going through that process of moving and deployments and kind of all all that jazz, um, do you have any words of wisdom to them that maybe you wish you knew at the very beginning of everything or lessons that you learned along the way that you feel are important to pass along?
1: Yeah, I learned a lot of lessons. (laughs) Some of them I'm still learning. Like for example, I remember I held on to every set of curtains because you never knew what the next house was going to be like or so hold on to it because we might not need them now. But the next one we will use them or um, I learned that you mark your boxes, you know, if you need your coffee pot right away, you put a big green X on it. So the green boxes you open first <laughs> like the shower curtain and the coffee cups and the linens and the towels right. and all that. So I learned how to mark boxes that were seasonal with red. So mm-hmm. I don't need to open those right away. I just have to unpack the, the immediate you know, needs right away and then deal with the rest later. So you do learn little things like that, especially if you do it a lot. And for me, I'm a list maker. Once I had the list, that was a relief. I could just go through my list because I was yeah, always yeah. afraid I'd forget something like forwarding your mail or right. um, turning off, you know, certain electricity or whatever. So once I had a good list checklist, I felt better because then I could use my checklist to make sure I didn't forget things.
0: But yeah, that makes sense. And I feel like there's so many like practical earth side things that you have to be taking care of. Um, as far as like, how about on the side of making sure your kids like felt good with the move and kind of like helping them with the transitions and really building resiliency? How did you kind of manage like the emotional side of things with everyone?
1: I have to laugh. Every, so I have two girls and two boys and, every, and they're together and together. So when we moved, I noticed they were fast friends again. Mm-hmm. And then when, when they got comfortable in their own peer group, then they separate again. But when we would first get to any location, I noticed they bonded like, okay, we have each other Mm -hmm. until they each had their own set of friends. And I think that really helped my situation just because it was less stressful for them that they weren't an only child moving. And they, you know, when they got to a new place, they always had each other, which I think helped a lot, especially Korea because I remember when we got there, um, I know they felt more isolated at the beginning. Oh, and I have one funny story. When we lived at Newport, Rhode Island for 10 months while my husband went to the War College, um, my daughter Amy said, she didn't go out and join in the neighborhood. And I said, Amy, what are you doing? And she said, Mom, we're only gonna live here for 10 months. What is the point? And I said, the point is you live and learn You know, better to have loved and lost than never to have loved again. So get out there, make your friends. And I think she was like in sixth grade, maybe seventh. And at the end of that year, all the kids ran behind our car as we drove away. And I cried.
0: Oh, why did she make all these friends? Oh, so it sounds like you've really instilled in them like how to be their own community builders in a way.
1: Yeah, I think they're all joiners i think they've watched my husband and i so i think they get it that they need to put themselves out and be a part of things they're all very much like that and i think they're all really supportive of each other as a whole because i think we were our own team for Mm -hmm. a while you know like you're you're it and Mm -hmm. you're moving as a family unit so you know i think they're they were good kids to begin with i was just lucky in that sense but um I think it helped a lot when we moved that they had each other Mm. a lot.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I love that the, you know, it sounds like that's such a gift for them to kind of like get along and actually like have that relationship with each other to then when you're moving, you're not so alone.
1: And I guess one other experience I remember or a story I remember is one of my daughters was shyer and she came home from school i think she was freshman in high school and she said mom i sat by myself at lunch today i didn't know anyone so i said well melissa tomorrow you go in the cafeteria and look around and find someone else sitting by themselves and say are you new i'm new can i sit with you and then you know she did that and Mm -hmm. you know it also gives you empathy Mm. because you can relate to other kids feeling like oh my gosh i'm the only kid here and so i don't know i think they've learned a lot of life lessons more so than me i never moved my whole life until we started this Mm -hmm. chaos you know so yeah
0: so i have a question for you as someone who is now the mother of military members um not everyone has that right like the intergenerational military family and i'm wondering for um, people who may be listening, who whose parents don't really get the lifestyle. Um, sometimes it feels, being one of those people, um, it's interesting because it's hard to explain like what you're going through and really like those challenges. And so I'm wondering, do you have any um, tips either for talking to like your family members who don't really quite get it how to ask for support in a way that makes sense and from the other side as a grandmother right who like cares about her grandkids who are going through all these changes like how can grandparents kind of like show up for um their uh grandchildren who are military connected who they might not see all the time like how do you keep that relationship strong
1: yeah that's a really good question because I think it was my parents worked hard at it. They had a lot of grandchildren. So um, mm-hmm. they had so many locally, like they mm-hmm. have 33 grandchildren, but so many were within their mm-hmm. five mile radius of their hometown. So they made a point of visiting us everywhere we lived. And wow, and they would actually come and stay for a week at a time. So if my husband and I had to go to a co- conference, they would stay with the kids. They knew my kids really well. And so did my husband's parents. So we were lucky in that sense that they they really not only supported us, but they physically came and supported us too. So I feel like they knew my kids and my kids knew them well. And we made a point of going home. Or I can remember being in Kansas and one of the kids saying, Why do we have to go home back to back back to grandma's every our all sets of grandparents live near each other. Why do we have to go back to grandma the, gra- the grandparents' house every Christmas or every, you know, every chance? I guess it was really every summer. And I'd say, we have to. We just mm-hmm. have to. And we'd get in the car and drive like hours. And, you know, that was part of us trying to stay connected with our families. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You have to make that effort too. You know, yeah. can't come to you. But um, and as a result, I have to say, my kids knew their cousins, and they're still very close. Mm. And I think that's because we made a point of, you know, getting in the car and taking them, pretty much at least once a year for a week, or twice a year, or if we had weddings or you know whatever. I'm trying to think of all the times over all the years, but sometimes the kids would complain why do we have to get in the car and then but they get there and love it so yeah we it sounds made- like
0: being really clear on your value of like family and connectingness, and then enrolling them in that and making it happen like a lot of it was on your plate to actually travel and make it happen
1: and now they're pretty good about doing it themselves you know oh, as well, so now I think they learned that lesson that like unfortunately you got to put you know you got to Thanks for the time, Warden. You got to put in the time, you know, like you got to, you got to do your due diligence to be a part of it, unless you just don't care. If you don't really want to be a part of the big family unit, then you don't have to do that, you know, but we always really wanted to stay connected. Uh, It was hard, but I think it was important to us.
0: Yeah. And then, so like final question for you, do you feel like it sounds like a lot of, this kind of came together for you and your family and your unit where resiliency was sort of like naturally built, but were there additional things that you kind of did or really were mindful about to help your kids build resiliency throughout your time?
1: Mm. So I would say we learned so much from all the people around us, from the joy, from the tragedy, from, you know, we knew our we knew our neighbors, which were military families we always lived on the base so it was always a little bit more um closer connected and i think watching how they handled situations really impressed upon me and my husband and our kids Mm -hmm. Um, i can think of one person that i know who lost two sons one to suicide one in combat and she taught me a lot. And I shared with my kids a lot about some of her messaging. And um, I think dialogue, communication, you like being able to talk to your kids about, you know, um, the importance of don't sit up in your room. If something's bothering you, you need to share it mm-hmm. with somebody, whatever your comfort zone is. And I think there were a lot of times when my kids went, went to a new, started a new school or had angst about uh, making new friends or whatever. But I think the good thing was they just jumped in and didn't dwell. I think it was just a matter of I'll find my comfort zone somehow. So I think there's a resilience in knowing you've had success in that, that it's easier to do the next time. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think it is definitely like, it's built, right? So it's like a muscle. So once you start having some success, like as you go, that muscle builds and builds. And I I do think resiliency is something that you build. It's not something that you just like put on and have once and then can throw away or anything like that.
1: Right. And some of it comes from self-confidence and realizing that you have something to contribute to your small group to your community to your unit to your school I mean all my kids were involved in sports and one of the funniest things is one of my daughters all of my kids played lots of sports from early on I don't know they all enjoyed it and they all were very involved but one of my daughters I remember joining cross-country at the same school where she sat alone And I said, hmm, do you want to be a runner? She said, no, but all the kids on the team sit together. (laughs) So basically, they understood that when you're part of a team, that team, they become friends. Mm -hmm. And it's an easy way to make friends is I'll just be on cross country or on the basketball team or soccer team, because then I right away have a small group of friends. And honestly, I think that helped them everywhere we moved was their participation in sports, Mm. because it's another way of making another group of friends.
0: Yeah,
1: by community building. It helped them a lot. I mean, all of them loved sports, and I think that was also healthy for them for their own resilience, because I think sports help you to blow off steam, have less anxiety, you know, and my one daughter, she was on the parachute team at West Point. So she's jumped almost like, wow, yes, like 900 times or something. So talk about that's a different sport, you know, yeah, seriously, my husband and my son jump a lot, but she she takes the cake, you know, so. Yes.
0: Well, uh, incredible. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing like some of your stories and your wisdom with us. I so appreciate it. And yeah, just thank you.
1: I really can 't thank you enough for just caring about the mental and emotional well being of not only our service members but their families because they are a national treasure and i I do think if the families are suffering and struggling, then it 's so much harder on the service member and on the on the whole team, so I think it's such an important you know we really do need to focus on mental health and Mm -hmm. i think people really need to realize that it's okay you don't have to be perfect you just have to be present Mm. you know so presence
0: i think that's the takeaway from this whole um thing so far is really that presence is so important and just being there being with them and knowing that like all right we're gonna take the next step to figure it out no matter what it is we're facing sometimes I just wish I could tell everyone, gosh, I had such
1: a great experience. I wish you could have the same experience. Just jump in, take advantage of every opportunity, whether it's to travel, whether it's to meet more people, whether it's to learn about a new culture, to learn about anything. And, and, you know, it's, it goes by so quick and there's just so much you can gain from it. Mm -hmm. Definitely take away more than you give. Mm
0: -hmm. So we were lucky. We loved it so amazing all right well thank you so much jenny nice to meet you aaron you've been listening to head heart Homefront, a production from the barry robinson center the country's leading behavioral health residential treatment center for military kids Many times, kids with behavioral and mental health issues don't improve with typical treatment options in their community. Families may need to consider long-term residential care, and this is where the Barry Robinson Center excels. They're a mission-focused nonprofit organization based in Virginia. Their residential center is the only one in the country that works exclusively with military kids. They understand the military community, as many of their employees are military-connected. Their high-quality treatment includes a wide range of services to help improve the lives of children. If your child needs additional support, check out barryrobinson.org. Navigating mental health can be challenging, and we want you to know that you do not have to do it alone. Thank you so much for listening to Head Heart Homefront. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know with a five-star review if you're listening to the podcast, or a like, comment, or share if you're listening on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, be well.